Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Welcome to Talk Radio's Drive Time. I'm Dan Wooten, and we're covering the continuing coronavirus pandemic. Dan's Dispatch on Talk Radio. So I woke up this morning and for a split second, everything was normal. You know, that little moment where you hope and pray it may have all just been a bad dream. Then I remembered and the anxiety most of us are feeling right now quickly returned to the pit of my stomach. So can we really do this? And how do we really do this? There is no modern day comparison to an entire shutdown of this country decimating entire industries and stopping most of our human contact. These are now the most stringent changes to our way of life since World War II. And terrifyingly, according to the scientists, this might need to be our way of life for the next 18 months or longer if a vaccine isn't developed. We all have a collective anxiety right now. Other smaller problems we had, debates over Brexit, for example, or maybe rows over the methods of the Extinction Rebellion, pale into insignificance. But hysteria will do nothing to help. And that's why this show, which is going to be devoted to covering this crisis that we now find ourselves in every day, between four and seven on talk radio, will be completely free of the scaremongering I have started to see explode on social media. In fact, I've vowed to stay off Twitter during this national health crisis. And do you know what? So far, it's actually been good for my health, my mental health. What we need to rely on right now are credible sources reported by credible journalists and credible media outlets. That doesn't mean the government and our top medical experts and scientists don't need to be held to account, because believe me, they do more than ever. But they need to be held to account by reporters and experts who don't benefit from some sort of national panic attack. For example, over the past 24 hours, the government changed its policies on when to introduce more dramatic social distancing measurements because their scientific modelling changed and they were warned 250,000, yes, that's right, 250,000 lives could be at stake. So, of course, this is now one of the most unsettling times we have ever lived through. But the experts warned more difficult measures that would change our way of life for a long time were likely to be introduced. We actually need the government to be nimble like they were and change their advice when they need to. Without the fear 
of an explosion of conspiracy theories that ricochet around the internet. So I can promise you, this is going to be a hysteria-free zone. Of course we are going to debate what's going on. Of course we're going to bring you the breaking news. But right now it's very important that we listen to the experts and not question them based on something that we may have seen tweeted by someone who has a vested interest. So right now, the question I want to ask you today is whether we need to do more, whether we need to follow France and forcibly rule that we can no longer meet up with friends and families to help halt the spread of this terrible virus. Because of course, right now it's in the hands of businesses, it's in the hands of individuals, and we're going to be hearing later in the show from Stanley Johnson, Boris Johnson's own father, who has said, you know what, I'll go to a pub if I want to. And you know what, right now, I might go to a pub if I want to as well. And that's not being irresponsible. I'm prepared to listen to advice. Of course, I have absolutely taken many social distancing measurements. But right now, we are not in the same type of lockdown that has been instituted in France or in Italy or in Spain. Talk radio across the UK on DAB Digital Radio and online. Drive time with Dan Wooden on Talk Radio. Welcome back. The government's approach to coronavirus testing is coming under an increased amount of scrutiny. Questions about the computer modelling used to determine the different phases the public will be put through to help control and delay the spread of the virus is also rightly under the microscope. So after the World Health Organisation chief yesterday said the best thing countries could do was test, 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 test every suspected case. Obviously, you can imagine pressure has been mounting on the government and the conservative response. So what's right? Well, I've got the man in the know on this, the country's favourite doctor, great friend of mine, ITV's Dr Hilary Jones is here. And Hilary, you're obviously incredibly busy at the moment trying to spread some calm and some sensible <laughs> advice about this situation. But what's, what's your take on this debate over the whole testing issue? Well, well, testing's important. Um, the trouble is we, we have a big population, over 60 million people, and we simply can't test them all. Um, so the, 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 the answer is this, that if we test people who have um, uh, symptoms warranting self-isolation, does it change the management of the majority of patients? Does it change what we do for them? Does it change the way we treat them? And the answer is no, it doesn't. If people self-isolate for the seven days um, or for the 14 days if they're in a household of people, then most of them will recover. Uh, and even if we test them and we know they're positive, it's not going to change what we do. Mm. If you think about the manpower required for that and the cost of testing, uh, we can take the resources saved um, by not testing and use testing on on areas which are more important in intensive care, so we know which pneumonias we're treating are, are COVID-19. We can test healthcare professionals. We can test um, people who are uh, perhaps more vulnerable. It, it, I agree that it doesn't help us know exactly where the hot zones are in the country, but it, it's about 
balancing the resources that we have. We're hoping to ramp up testing so that we can test about 4,000 people a day. But I do believe that the people who should be tested are the healthcare professionals because mm. if someone has a, a little cough or a cold, they need to know whether they should self-isolate and keep away from patients, which means we have a, a less, a, a less number, a numerous workforce or whether those people can continue at work with impunity and not, and not infect other patients. So th- I think that's where it's more important. Dr. Hillary, what about the government's response overall? Because, of course, this seems to have divided the country. You have some people saying Boris Johnson didn't do enough, Donald Trump didn't do enough. Then you have others saying, actually, this is verging on hysterical. Where do you stand on the government approach? I stand very firmly behind the advice of the chief medical officer and the, uh, the, the chief scientific officer who have been consistently clear. Um, they have been advised by a number of different experts with all the data. And I think we should back them rather than question them. It's become very fashionable to question um, medical experts and opinion. Um, and, and sometimes the medical profession don't do themselves any favours by by disagreeing. But I think there is a broad consensus of what we're doing. If you look at all the different countries around the world, and and some people keep harping on about, well, they're doing this in Italy, they're doing this in France. Actually, we're doing better than those countries. And there is no country which is adopting exactly the same policy as everybody else. So there is no completely correct method Mm. to control this. Excuse me. In, in every single no. country. Although, of it, it course... It has to be tailored to the needs. Of course. Another great friend of mine, uh, Dr Hillary, Piers Morgan, you uh, came into a little bit of disagreement, I guess, with him on ITV's Good Morning Britain this morning about exactly <laughs> this. And obviously, yeah. you're always up for, for a good toe-to-toe with Piers, as we all are. But Malcolm yeah. from Oxford is on the line. He's called in, He's got an opinion about this row that you had with Piers this morning. Malcolm, what's your view on it? Good afternoon, Dan. Good afternoon, Doctor. Good afternoon. I have watched the last... I'm a great fan of Piers. And yes. And 90%, 90% of the time I agree with him. That's how I feel too. But right. there's a but coming. There is a but. Go on. He, over yesterday and today, has shown himself up to be hysterical. He asked you a question, Doctor, and he doesn't allow you to answer it. <laughs> Now, could you do me a favour? Could you take a navel orange in with you tomorrow morning? <laughs> and when he asks you a question, get up, walk over to him, stick it in his gob, and then that'll allow you to uh, answer the questions. Because we want to know from the professionals, not the hysteria. You're not alone in saying that Piers Morgan should be put in lockdown himself. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I mean, we, we, I, I also respect his, his journalistic um, talent. And of course, journalists are right to question the science that are guiding us through this horrible crisis. However, there's a difference between questioning the science and doubting it. Uh, blindly and, and whipping up, um, you, you know, hysteria, as you say. So, so I think he's right. Um, a lot of people have agreed with you that it would be nice to hear a bit more of the answer before he jumps in. Um, but we are trying to address these issues. Uh, we're trying to raise people's concerns and answer with clarity um, and, and explaining the science. But, but I think, as well as my medical media colleagues, 
who are all across the latest data, the latest modeling, the latest stats, the latest figures. We are broadly behind everything the government is doing. They are explaining things. Every single little detailed um, policy that they have in place is evidence-based. They have evidence to support what we're doing and, and that it is right. And, and I think we should support them rather than questioning it and everybody doing their own thing. Talk Radio. Drive time with Dan Wooden. On Talk Radio. We are unpicking this massive announcement from Downing Street today. The Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, confirming uh, an unprecedented package of government loans for businesses, £330 billion of uh, guaranteed loans, which would equate 15% of our GDP. He's also going to offer a 25k injection to hospitality businesses, a freeze business rates for an entire year to all businesses now. Mortgage lenders will be offered a three-month mortgage holiday. He says there are more measures to come in the next three days. And this is not a time for ideology, but a time to be bold. Rishi Sunak also admitting, by the way, these government interventions are on a scale unimaginable. Just a few weeks ago, he said, we have never in peacetime faced an economic situation like this. So where does that leave business? Well, we're going to be talking about the self-employed in just a moment. But first, let me bring in Lord Dibby Jones, who is the former Director General of the Confederation of British Industry. Lord Jones, thank you so much for being here. Do you think Rishi Sunak has done done enough today? Good uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, I do... uh for now, um, this is such a fast-changing uh, scene, and it's such a um, enormously uh, complex business environment that who can say, in, with the benefit of hindsight, in four days' time, whether it was enough today? Clearly, the budget last week looked amazingly generous in what it was trying to achieve with this, and it clearly wasn't enough. So. I don't think, you know, I think we're all going to end up with PhDs in hindsight on this one if we're not yeah. careful. Um, uh, and uh, as we speak today, I would say it is amazing what he's just announced. Uh, as I sat in front of the television just a few minutes ago watching him live say it, I kept saying, oh, blimey, oh, well, well, my God. I mean, just just staggering, but very, very necessary. And I'm, I'm uh, advisor or chairman to uh, quite a few companies, different parts of the country, different sectors, different sizes. And also, I, I help out pro bono with two or three businesses that are just a couple of people. I can tell you the, the huge impact is for the business, it's cash. It's this immediate turn-off of the cash tap. Mm. It's, the it's the lack of people paying them for what they do, be it a pub, be it a taxi firm, be it a, a builders, whatever it is. And then secondly, the knock-on effect of that is they lay off people. They don't want to make them redundant because they need. They know this will end. They know that in 12 weeks, 14 weeks, uh, late summer, this will end. And yeah, they need course. quality trained people. So how do they put it off so that they can afford to pay people something but then the people will say, I'm with you. Thank you for not making me redundant. I understand we're all in yeah. this together. But how do I pay my mortgage? And therefore, he's also said to those mortgage companies, the banks, the building societies, you will not. You will not. I mean, imagine a government telling the private sector, you will not look to these people for three months for their money. 
so that there's a holiday. I, 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 it, it is intervention on the grand scale and every single pound of it is essential. Thank you so much. Absolutely fascinating insight from Lord Digby Jones, the former Director General of the Confederation of British Industry. Of course, we've had a lot of people asking what Rishi Sunak's new measures mean for the self-employed. So I've got the man uh, to answer this, hopefully, or at least to tell us what he thinks the government needs to. Andy Chamberlain is the Deputy Director of Policy at the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed. So Mr Chamberlain, thank you so much for being here. So much nervousness, so so much fear amongst uh, freelancers, amongst self-contractors. What do you think uh, these new policies mean for the self-employed? Well, good afternoon. Um, I didn't hear the Chancellor mention self-employed at all during no. the statement. No, exactly. So that's a bit of a concern. What I did hear him say is that he was going to unveil a package of measures to support jobs, which... Probably he's talking about employees there, but he could be talking about self-employed people as well. And I heard him talking about protecting income. Now, that's really important. We need to somehow ensure continuity of income for self-employed people. So what he talked about there was, you know, a lot, of, a lot was made yesterday after the Prime Minister said, told us all not to go to the pub anymore and restaurants and cinemas and theatres and so on. Mm. And people immediately said, well, how will those businesses survive? Quite a legitimate question. Um, but what about individuals whose income derives from those businesses as well? So what if you're a musician or a DJ that plays gigs in pubs and clubs? Uh, you're self-employed almost exclusively. Those kind of people are self-employed. Where's their income going to come from? because they are reliant on these mass gatherings which are being cancelled left, right and centre. they often staffed by people who are on zero-hour contracts or who are self-employed, people that have volatile income. And they are not back to most employees right now are going to continue to get paid, though there's a wider economic concern, of course, about those businesses. We were just talking there about Virgin, weren't we, and how Richard Branson has suggested to some of his employees, please take some unpaid leave. But if you're self-employed, there's none of that. If you don't do the work, you don't get paid. And if you can't do the work... So what's the government going to do about that? There are 5 million self-employed people in the UK at the moment. And um, they are 15% of our labour market. And there's very little being talked about to help them. We at Ipsay are concerned that the government is leaving the self-employed behind in its preparations for this. We have to see really what this what these measures will look like. Yes. Perhaps they are going to do something. I'm, I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying the government are doing nothing. But I'm just not feeling completely reassured yet. Let's put it that way. Talk radio across the UK on DAB Digital Radio and online. Drive time with Dan Wooden on Talk Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I should tell you to subscribe to this podcast because in these times of national corona crisis, we're still going to be with you every day on Talk Radio, breaking news on the virus, bringing you the most important newsmakers with practical advice you really need to know and hearing your opinions too. I'm not allowing any hysteria, but I would love you to contribute and tune in live every day too for so much more on Talk Radio between 4pm and 7pm every day. Talk to you tomorrow.